0: Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare. Giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better Tech Leadership, powered by BrainHub.
1: So, um, you've been part of the Lego Group for more than more than twelve years, and currently, you are the head of engineering there. I'm super excited to dive in your into your experiences and insights uh, on leadership diversity and challenges and opportunities of leading the technical aspects of a global organization such as Lego. Uh, Personally, I'm a big fan, as you can see here, (laughs) Uh, and I've been a big fan since I was five-year-old. Now I'm a parent of a seven-year-old Lego fan, so I know firsthand the positive impact that the company and its product has on the people's lives. Um, I'd like to start with your role. Uh, So, can you please give me your a high-level overview of your accountability as the head of engineering at the LEGO Group? Sure.
0: So, thanks of all. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I think I just want to start there. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, my current role at LEGO is I'm heading up an engineering area, um, uh, which is in the foundational area, so part of infrastructure. We, we deliver the foundational technologies, and the specific area we are in we deliver Active Directory services, devices, collaboration tools, video conferencing, capabilities, um, software for our colleagues. And my user group or my marketplace is all my colleagues in LEGO. So we deliver a product for LEGO and, and our mission is to support the growth and the great talents um, here in LEGO. So, so when I listen to my market, I go out and talk to my colleagues and understand the business needs and what they need out there. And we adapt our product, uh, our technical products, uh, according to that.
1: How um, big is your market?
0: Um, so the market, well, we're yeah. 30,000 colleagues, more or less. I both have, uh, you know, salaried colleagues. I have people working on the shop floor in the factories and retail. Um, but we also have a lot of consultants coming in every day, lots of people work for us freelance as well. they also a big part um, of the group, we have student workers, so, so it's a diverse group also um, as a part of role, and, and we service all of them.
1: Sure. And can you share your journey to becoming the head of engineering uh, at the Lego Group? I think uh, we spoke about it briefly the last time, the first time we've met, but I find it super interesting and inspiring.
0: Okay. Well, I don't have to stand journey for a person in my <laughs> role. I, I can just start there. Uh, so I always have to explain, um, but let's start at the beginning. I started um, I started out studying philosophy in the university. That was my passion, you know, understanding the world, thought leaders, and that kind of thing, and understanding humans in the world, I think was one of my passion points. Um, when I finished university, I actually started up in a startup on uh, my own, and I did uh, more of consulting, coaching, communication, teaching. So much of soft skills, interacting a lot with people. And I think my main force was connecting with people and communicating. And for example, I did a lot of one-on-one coaching. Over the years, that developed. And after three years, I got into a little bit of bigger startup. Um, and it was a startup focused on the IT sector um they were doing consultancy for uh mostly large IT projects in the nordics and my role was then in that company to help them on the change management plan when these projects were, projects were rolled out there was always a lot of people involved and not everybody thought it was a great idea. Adoption was not high. And my job was to help them on stakeholder management, making the right plans and doing a lot of campaigning, ensuring that people actually um, found this meaningful. You know, what is it I need to do? And I need to use a new tool. No, that's impacting my everyday life. And also a lot of feedback back to the technical team saying, we need to tweak this. This is not good enough. So so that was my role. and And I think it was in that period, that I realized, which I had not realized before, that I actually like technology quite a lot. It's just I—it I, never dawned on me. I probably would have studied if if I knew now. I would have mm-hmm. studied computer science or something like that. But I didn't know it, so um, I just realized this is super fun. And and I, um, especially, I got always very mm, excited when you know you had a problem that was a little bit too difficult. When you heard people say, "We can't solve it. This this is you know this is a tough." Tough not to crack, Then it's like, I want to be in. You know, that, I thought that was super funny. It's not that I'm a, a wonderful developer or the best. I have so many colleagues around me who are so much better than that, but I know a bit about things and um, and I just got, you know, super interested in it. So that segued me into, uh, I got a role then with Lego um, where I was, uh, I started out as an IT project manager, but very soon I went into leadership roles. So I started actually in Lego, the first uh, IT change management department we had, where at that time I did exactly the same as I'd done in the consultancy, now as an entrepreneur, but in Lego, helping us to do our uh, IT projects better. This is back in the day where waterfall was the shit. Um, That's (laughs) not how it is anymore, but back in the day, that was cool. Um, But it sectored me into more following my passion and more uh, leading technical teams. So I started with just one team. Um, and then moved on from there. And, and you know, I think it's five years ago, I started more leading areas with several teams. Um, and today my area is uh, 50 people with seven different teams. Um, and now it's more about, you know, uh, what are the principles we lead from? What are the principles in our architecture? What is it we need to take care of? So, of course, I have a lot of great leaders in my team um, and uh, also some great people leaders and a lot of great engineers. But but I steer more on you know, the frames, the structure, the guidelines.
1: Sure. I see. Uh, the interesting what what sort of struck me is when you spoke about the, the fact that you got interested in technology or actually discovered that is interesting for you at a certain point. I think I think there's a correlation between the philosophy and or modeling the universe, but also being attracted to technology. Yeah. Uh, within our team, I think there are plenty of people who actually get, you know, uh, drawn into uh, philosophy, uh, whether it's stoicism or, or other frameworks, but generally they are fascinated about modeling the universe, trying to understand it in a log- logical way. And maybe that works also the other way around. <laughs> but, <laughs> Just...
0: You're really onto something there because that that's also how I realized that, for example, you talk IT architecture. For me, that's not a scary beast. It's quite logical, you know. It's logical structures and understanding it and understanding the layers and so on. I found a lot of resemblance to understanding thought leadership. If you take Kant or Aristotle, you know, understanding some of these uh, philosophers, how they were thinking, the system, the way they conceptualize the world and their way of thinking. I I use that a lot in the way I then try to understand IT and technology, what it does, its limits. And also when you go into the ethics part, right of technology and technology also has an, an, an ethical, ethical angle. And, and that's, um, I, I think I drew a lot back on things I, I read in school and still read sometimes, you know, in, in my spare time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk a bit about diversity and inclusion. Uh, so my first, first question here is why is diversity and inclusion important to you personally?
0: Um... Well, I don't know. It just is. It's just logical <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good answer, answer as well. Yeah. Um, sure. Um, it is. You can say, first of all, I, I always, um, I get the question um, still, you know, oh, so you're going wow, to tech industry. Well, that's not that typical. You know, it's, it's, it's often something I have to explain. Um, but, um, and then you can see having worked in the industry for now more than 10 years, it's, um, It's of course, striking to me how few women there are. Uh, it really is. You know, I can't, you know, I'm not blind. I can see that. Um, and, and, and I just kind of decided some few years back, you know, I, I want to help change that. It, that, that should be different. And, um, and I can see that many layers. Where does that start? You know, I have both a boy and a girl. I'm really aware of how I bring them up and I don't make any bias or that's at least my goal. Um, thinking that my girl has to play with dolls, but my my boy can play uh, computer games. Mm. Um, But it's also up when I've engaged a lot with universities later, latter years, you know, when we are looking at tech talent and how to attract, we engage quite a lot with the local universities. And there I also see, you know, it's as always this majority of young men. And and, and, and if you look at the data in this field, in Europe, for example, the last 10 years, yeah, there's a little, we are growing a bit. There is luckily more women and, and, and girls who want to go into the science fields, but there still is a massive misbalance. Um, and um, yeah, I, I find that striking and I think, no, that can't be it. And honestly, if I should think about the tech industry thriving in like 10 years from now, I really believe we have to crack this. We will not be a thriving industry if we don't crack and get more balance in there. This is not just about gender, it's also about cultural difference. Um so if I then should draw this these opinions down to my daily work, it is super important for me when I recruit, you know, that I get a diverse pool of talent that I can look at. Um and you know, one thing is having your opinion is the recruiters who help me always have that opinion as well. But as it gets tough, let's just say we're two months down the line, we really need to fill this role and We just don't have a diverse pool of talents. You know, that's where it gets a little bit tough and there's business results we cannot deliver. And that's where I just think it's important to, you know, stamina, stay focused and say, no, we're going to search more now. We're going to search even more, even more intense. Who can we call? Find me that talent pool and make sure we have a representative field before we make our choice. Um, And I've not regretted it, you know, those times we have been under pressure sometimes, but... I've never regretted it uh, because you feel a lot more sure about your choice. And, and sometimes it was we got in talent with more of a diverse background. Other times we didn't, but at least it it gave the um, another certainty.
1: Sure. So one thing to do is resilience in terms of uh, searching for the kind of uh, searching through the candidate pool. Uh, pool. Anything else we can do to crack it down, track this down?
0: I think actually. One thing, both in leadership, but also in this topic is to listen. Um, understand what's going on. For me, it's also, also a lot about listening to the younger generation who will, you know, be our talent in a few years. What's going on? Why are they not, you know, I see, for example, some girls dropping out of their, these studies. I see them not being as, uh, if I, now I'm just talking about gender, but, but I see many of the girls are young women. Um, for example, not taking on the student worker jobs that we have, we can see that's a, normally a very clear segue into a full time job just after your studies. Um, and I, I, for a period some years back, I went into a lot just trying to really understand this problem. And this is not a scientific at all, but but I just looked at what happened. You know, you have ten young student workers coming in, all studying computer science. Um, and I, I must just say, most of the guys, they were very, you um you'd say, even though they might not have a big programming background, they're just studying computer science. They're like, okay, I would love to learn. I say, you know, at this job will teach you this. If you want to learn R or Node.js, we'll teach you about it. But would you like to learn? We're looking for that, you know, they really want to learn this. Willingness really nice to learn, yeah, yeah. Motivation. Whenever I had, and I don't know if it's a coincidence, but uh, I had three girls in that field. All of them were very busy explaining. But you know, I don't have experience in this, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do it. So that's totally okay. If you want to learn, we'll teach you, right? But I, I really saw myself being, um, I learned that I really needed to be more observant of the psychological safe space, that it's okay. You are as you are. We're going to teach you and we're going to love to work with you if you want it. Um, and so it, um, then later I read a lot about psychological safe space and, and, you know, now it's just become a core thing for me. It's really important. Um, and, uh, and I saw that, for example, in a recruiting situation, you know, be um, you know, observant on that and, and create that, um, that safe space yeah. and help people.
1: Sure. Speaking of recruitment, uh, what is your approach to hiring? What do you pro- prioritize when evaluating candidates? What, you look, what do you look at?
0: It all depends on the role, right? I have many different roles sure. in my organization. So,
1: so maybe let me be more specific uh, in terms of mindsets, uh, maybe personality. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you already mentioned that you look at the willingness to learn, to take up challenges, I suppose. But uh, can you give me a little bit more context? Sure. sure.
0: I think I would start with, is there a true passion here for technology? Is there a passion for this field? I think really it, it comes down to it, passion often becomes the driver. Uh, when we go more than three months in, you know, and, and you have to learn a lot of new things to be great in this role. The passion for technology is there. There will be this continuous drive to learn. So, so passion and the willingness to learn, I really look for that. Ask about how do you do that? How do you keep yourself up to date? How do you, how are you curious about the world? How are you curious about technology? How do you test things out? All kinds of signs on—is there really a passion here? And how do they cope with learning? Can are they active self learners or how? There's many ways of doing that, right? But but how do they do it? Um, and, active self learners. Oh, that's a capability I'm looking for.
1: Nice. Active self learners. That's I, I love this phrase and how we put it. Okay. Nice. Uh, let's look at the culture front as well. Uh, how do you ensure culture for culture fit when hiring? I think uh, Lego culture is probably specific. Has so you have to take care of it uh, when uh, considering bringing somebody new uh, on the team. So uh, I'd like to get a little bit more understanding how do you work on the culture front in terms of recruitment?
0: Um, one of the things that are key to us is that we connect people and they collaborate, you will not be working in a silo here. You'll not be just doing your own stuff. You cannot succeed unless you work with others and work with others well. So, I look for the angle. You know, do you know how to work with others? Do you have a history of that? Uh, how do you tackle the human relation while you are still in a very result-oriented environment where we are searching for new value? So, so the, the, the ability to connect with other people, feeling comfortable—it's okay. You're not, uh, you are not—you don't need to be extrovert. You can be uncomfortable in that space, but do you have history of getting over that and, and getting into great working relations, you trust between people? like the famous book on this topic, you know, it really speeds up things. Um, and I can see that. So do you have the connection? There's many things that can be over, uh, overcome. And and um, so that's on the human side, you know, that's really important. The ability to collaborate and, and build trust with other people.
1: Absolutely. What about geniuses that cannot work with other people? Would you bring that uh, one on your team or...
0: Now, you know, I am a Uh, big promoter of um, diverse profiles. And I will even say on this front, you know, a genius, yeah, but you might be a little bit quirky, you might not fit that in. I really look for, but could this work anyway, you know? Do we have the tolerance for somebody who's maybe not that great with other people? Um, I would not put five of those profiles maybe in the same team because that might explode. But if you have a well-functioning team or... It depends a little bit on the composition, so, so, in the concrete context, I would like evaluate. and so actually, I do have a little bit of soft spot for that. you know the, the really geniuses who who might come off a little bit wrong, but but who are actually brilliant, brilliant people. Um, and I, I have a little bit of soft spot, in that and then also for helping them out, you know, I know bringing them on, it might give a little bit of a disturbance. Um, for example, I know some great people who are just super black white when they communicate, you know. This is what we do. That's the way it is. It normally you know, <laughs> provokes other people, you know, can we debate it? or oh, no, but I have other opinions. This is the right thing to do. It always really is a provocative statement, but, but also working on what does that mean? Why does he say that? Or why does he say that? So, no, in the context, I really try to um, stretch the limit of what diverse pool of talent can we have in here, but the magic is and always should be inclusion. If you cannot include the person in the team, in the context, they're not going to be valuable for the company. Um, and, and for that, you know, that's where I really try to, you know, really go into would this work? Can we include, do we have great leaders on this team who can create this?
1: Nice. But also we can, uh, with people with more that are more introvert or not that open or used to uh, collaborating, you can always work on those skills uh or uh approach you can you can for sure improve it to some extent um yeah but i, I really like your way of looking at it from the inclusion and diversity perspective that you don't have all this, the the pool of the pool of people or personalities or talent is just diversified i think it's a great 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 way of looking at things to be honest <laughs> um I'd like to talk a bit more... uh, I'd like to talk a bit about um, Lego Group being a huge company and the need of balancing centralized governance and control with uh, the need for localized decision-making and local optimization or local autonomy. Uh, I'd like to ask you about the balancing those two? How do you actually do it? Uh, and how does it work?
0: So, first of all, I appreciate you say that we do it. <laughs> because I will admit, it's something we discuss quite a lot internally. How to strike that balance right. Uh, and we both have in the organization examples of where it went well, or or where we were giving too much autonomy, almost leading to anarchy, or where we were just too lenient, or too strict. And um, so, it's not that we are not a company who haven't tried, you know, is a kind of all positions of the scale. Um, but we are quite determined to to strike it right. And as we are a growing company and have been for many years, we keep on stretching the limits up. Okay, we're bigger now. We need to be thinking more. Wow, it's more scalability. But also, you just, we are in more markets and in more countries and organizations are growing all over the world. So, also needs are a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So so it really is, you know, the big trick is to strike that balance. The things we try to work with, first of all, um, there's the architecture side of things. We Our aim is to build things right and in a way where it's decoupled, meaning you can access central resources, um, but you have, uh, for your team or for your local thing, you have an easy way of accessing the data using APIs or whatever. And then still doing what you need to do. Um, so, so building things right can help quite a lot, but can it do everything? No, of course it can't. Then we, we just uh, dis- debate and discuss with each other the principles on how do we make good guide rails or guard rails. We prefer to call them guide rails. Um, mm-hmm. Again, to be open and, and and also just show curiosity. It's so easy to think you've, like the great philosophers here, you, you've like built the perfect map of the world and now everybody should just adapt to that. And mm-hmm. it's just not the real world, right? You know, the real world changes and adapt as new people come in and, and they see other things. So it is really an ongoing conversation. And that's maybe a, a final thing. I think it's super important that people in key roles need to stay curious and open. We need to listen. What's happening mm-hmm. out there? Um, I will not say we always react fast enough, but it is about understanding why does the current structure, the current guide rail not work? Maybe we should change something. Um, in other cases, it's, it's, it is about staying firm to what you believe in, but uh, it really depends on the context. Sure.
1: sure. Just in that, when talking about various topics in terms of scaling leadership, there's always this cultural aspect that always, that is always in there and it plays an important role, whether it's scaling, whether it's, you know, governance, there's always this cultural part. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm referring to, you know, the common, the, the, the way of, uh, the, the, the ability I'm referring to, what you call the ability of the leaders to listen, to observe, to be curious.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, what leadership qualities do you believe are the most important for someone in your role? How do you cultivate those qualities?
0: Well, I don't want to repeat myself. I think you just kind of summed it up a bit. But to be, be short on it, I do think listening is a key thing. Um, you sit in a lead- senior leadership role, stay open and listen. Um okay. We're used to, in my job, I need to communicate a lot. I need to come with messages and, and communicate actively, right? But um, it really is a constant reminder. Listen. Remember to listen. What's going on? What are they saying? What are they not saying? Can even be nonverbal. Um, then I think it's about the, and behind that listening, there should be a curiosity. Um, you know, to understand things and also sometimes prioritize a little bit different, say, I need to understand this, this, there's a need here, we're not covering that, you know, whoa, that's not going to be easy, but how are we going to do that? So, so curiosity and listening is, is, I think is a key trait.
1: Nice.
0: Then I have something else on, um, if you want to create great results, you need to be able to focus. And that's not going to come easy. Not at all in a tech industry world either. You know, there's always a lot going on. There's always a lot of things that need to get get done. Um, and therefore, focusing and, and doubling down on what's most important is also just a key thing.
1: Um, okay. How do you do that? How, how, how to do it in practice? Do you? I, I've read an interview with Sam Altman, the, the open AI guy, and uh, he said, he thinks about the things that are important and whether he's doing important thing uh, and he's, whether he's working on important things. I think he does it on almost daily basis, if not weekly basis, He basically checks every, every now and then, whether he's on the right track, whether he's doing, whether he's not, uh, you know, spending his time on things that don't matter. Uh, do you have a, tactic or a routine or, or anything that helps you with that?
0: Um, yes, I do. Um, I think the key thing for me is not to overbook my entire day with the job that needs to get done. I really take care to put that, I would almost call in time boxes and say it uh, could be 8 to 3 or 8 to 4, but, but that's the job that needs to get done. I need reflection time. And I need space where other ideas and other things can come in. Um, so I'm actually very, um, aware of creating reflection time. I will admit though, some of that reflection time is out of work. Um, and you can say going uh, the transition from a very busy work day and then to going into, let's just say, reflection mode. I don't find that so easy. Um, you know, we talk a lot about meditation is a great thing. Well, for me, it's not easy to just go from 120 doing a lot of stuff and talking to a lot of people and then. Let's sit down and meditate. That's not easy for me, so I have my little routines. I um, I like to do yoga. You know, having an instructor doing yoga that's super easy for me. It's a way to get down in my body and close off the bus. And I love driving from yoga to my house, and then I just think different thoughts. And that's also where sometimes things dawn on me. Oh, no, we should remember. You know, so so that openness. I, I also have a, another thing. It's about. Um, I um I bathe in the cold water winter bathing. Um, oh, nice! With my, house, my husband, it's just it's something we discovered, but it's just wonderful. We do it once a week, and and you just like it's so cold in the water, but it's so fun. Um, yeah, it spikes it your dopamine. To, uh, what?
1: It spikes your dopamine, I think.
0: Absolutely, it, it does.
1: Gets, yeah, honestly yeah.
0: It does, but honestly, it does something also mentally? It always, you know, at that moment, I can't think of other things. So I normally get this out of it. Like, you no, know, let's down to ground, down to earth again. Uh, let's get on the ground and let's look at things again with fresh eyes.
1: Nice. Just one more follow-up question on that. With it's tactical, it's really going down the rabbit hole. But um, when it comes to your time uh, on the calendar and the reflection time that you have booked on the calendar, do you? add some themes or topics that you want to think of or or to specifically want to think of or work on, or is it just the time uh, to reflect without no specific uh, theme?
0: No, no. I normally put some kind of theme on it. Um, I can in advance sometimes just book a neutral focus time or reflection time or time with a coach. I also like sometimes to use coaching or getting coached Mm -hmm. by somebody else. I think that's a great tool. As well, But but the thing I just, where I need my own reflection time, when I come closer, I normally kind of point out, I need time to think about that or I need time to work on this. And then I put that in that focus time so that when I come in with the buzz in my head of, and a lot of urgent, but maybe not most important tasks to do, I kind of get refocused by, oh, this is now what I'm going to do. And then I like shuffle the real world to the side and try to focus on the topic that I, at a at a moment where I was in balance, was like, I need to have figured out what to do about this. So, yeah, I, I do put in themes.
1: Nice, nice. For for me, uh, the, the, I sort of sensed a re- huge improvement was when I started journaling, uh, but being rigorous about it, or specifically not journaling when I want, but actually making a routine out of it so i have a morning journaling i have an evening journaling and that helps me to get uh, to actually go daily reflect on the things that are important and the ones that are not <laughs> and sort of do it in a very rigorous way um otherwise if i skip it for a week then like the whole picture just gets ruined and you have to reestablish it again that uh, that's just that's just my thing uh I've got a final question for you. Uh, has your approach to leadership evolved over the years? You had, uh, yeah, that's the question With, without any additions to that.
0: Yeah, sure it did. It really did. I, I will admit, I I come, one of my key things is I'm very result oriented. I want to see the value come out right. Um, and I think in my earlier years of leadership, I I am not proud of saying it, but I do see moments of more micromanagement, you know, where I was, no, we need to get on top of this. We really need work, right? I worked and I pushed very hard for the short-term goal. But in reality, I demotivated my team, you know, short-term, because I wanted to really get in control. We have to deliver this. Instead of looking at the mid-term or long-term, hey, let, let's give her a little bit more time or him a little bit more time. They'll probably. Feel, I'll give my input, but I won't control this 100%. Leave it open. It's her task, the empowerment piece. Honestly, I, I I can see back now. In the beginning of taking on leadership leadership roles and leading teams um, in a very busy environment, I I didn't strike that balance right. So um, so that's definitely something that changed over the years. How um, I would also say my perspective is is probably getting more and more and more long term. You know a quarter in front, you know, a half a year, a year, two years, three years, work a lot on the yearly horizons instead of for tomorrow or for this week. Not that I don't have deadlines tomorrow, this week, but, um, but not what I steer up against. I steer against, um, the bigger results. And then we say also my world as a leader, my, my world is about leading leaders, right. Um, and products, but, but I have a lot of really talented people around me and, and People are people, you know. You can't put them in boxes. You need to stay flexible. There's a child sick or something happens or there's sickness in the family or things happen. So you have to have like a system that's open and adaptable to the world, also in leadership. So that's, I think also I I moved more into that so it doesn't frustrate me with people calling sick, you know. The way we do stuff, we have backups or we have other ways of moving it around. It's, It's, yeah, you know, so it's, that definitely changed
1: sure it's, it's a long game with some deadlines <laughs> on the way uh, yeah thank you very much it was uh, super interesting uh to hear your answers to my questions and uh again
0: uh thank you for sharing your insight it was thank great. you so much and thank you for having me it was really fun sure better tech leadership powered by brain hub follow leschik on linkedin and subscribe to the better tech Leadership newsletter. Better Tech Leadership powered by BrainHub. Follow Les Schick on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.